Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. Amen. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, Brother Ham, that message last week was phenomenal. What a word from the Lord. Amen. And uh, I know that God is speaking to this house. If you missed it last week, make sure that you go check it out. Um, There's lots that God is really speaking over our life. I'm going to jump into Hebrews 11. I felt this morning to talk about faith and to encourage your faith. I want to speak specifically to those that maybe feel a little discouraged, a little tired, uh, feel like quitting even a little bit. And uh, I want to encourage you that you're in a race to win. And God's got you in a race that you can win by faith. And I know that we can get caught up with what's going on in America and around the world. But our, we're not here to live for America. We're here to live for Christ. And uh, I really believe that God wants to show us another level of faith. How do I live by faith? How do I have a mature level of faith? And, and when I talk about faith, I'm talking about being able to hear God and believe God for the impossible. Believe God for miracles. Believe God for big things. How do I do this? Hebrews 11 in the beginning of the passage of the books, uh, the book of uh, the uh, chapter of Hebrews 11, you see a lot of the different stories of faith. Uh, even Pastor Ham mentioned one last week, talking about Enoch and his great faith that he had, and how that faith pleased God. And you see Noah, and you see Moses, and you see Abraham, and you see all the great patriarchs and matriarchs of faith that really did have faith in God. They believed God in difficult circumstances, through tough things. They believed God. And I love reading it because it builds my faith. It encourages me. But I want you to go down to verse 39. And verse 39 says this. All these people, talking about all those that were people of faith, earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Let me stop there. Every one of them, and they have different backgrounds, they have different seasons of life. Some were very difficult, some were killed for their faith, some were um, went through some very tragic situations. But it says every single one had a good reputation because of their faith. The word faith is a word that you need to know. Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. And so I want to please God, so I need to understand what faith is. And if faith's so important to God, it needs to be important to me. And I need to understand what faith is. Faith is beyond me just being saved. I can receive Christ and have Christ in my life, but if I don't believe God for anything big, if I don't believe God to bring me through circumstances, if I don't believe God and trust God, I have no faith. And faith is what moves the heart of God. Faith is what God is looking for within each believer. He's looking for a measure of faith. He's looking for great faith. Jesus would acknowledge this often. He would acknowledge those that had great faith. He'd acknowledge those that had good faith. He would acknowledge those that had little faith. And he would acknowledge those that had no faith. It was important to Jesus. It was important to the Father. It's important to us. We have to have a life of faith, trusting God, believing God, knowing the voice of God. 
And as I looked at this, the question that came out to me was this. Have I earned a good reputation from God because of my faith? He said, these all had a good reputation. Another word for reputation would be good report, testimony, witness. They're a good witness of faith. They're a good testimony of faith. And as I thought about it, I said, Lord, do I have a good testimony of faith? Am I a man of faith? Do I believe you? Would others say that, but more important than others, would you say that I have a good testimony of faith? Am I able to testify of my faith or am I able to testify of my fear? Because we all have something. Either you have faith or you have fear, you have worry, you, have, you can have whatever it is. But do you have faith? I thought about it this way. If I was going to put you up on the stand in a court of law and God was the judge, and in this court you were asked this question, do you, does your life reflect a life of faith? Do you have a life of faith? What would the judge say? As you're sitting there, do, can I testify of the faith of God? Can I testify of faith in me towards God, towards the things of God? And as you think about that, that's an important thing. Because what, sometimes when people are going through things, instead of being people of faith, we're, be, we're people of complaining. God doesn't look at things the way we look at things. We look at things as winning and losing. We say either we won there or we lost there. Or that was a victory, that was a defeat. And most of the time when we look at that, we're looking in the natural realm. Well, that was a defeat. Well, we lost that job, or we lost that house, or that relationship, or the financial situation, or children, whatever it is, health. And we look at things as winning. And God doesn't look at things in the natural. God looks at things in the supernatural. He looks at the things in the spiritual. See, you're going to go through things. I'm going to go through things. And God's going to look at me and say, Steve, even though you're going through that, did you keep the faith? Were you full of faith? Did you continue to believe me? It's, we count faith and we count the victories as though something turned around. And it does many times, but sometimes it doesn't in the natural and for example, maybe you prayed for somebody to be healed. I've prayed many times for people to be healed. And people have been healed. And people have not been healed. My job isn't to evaluate God and his ability to heal. My job is to stand in faith and let God do what he's going to do. But please hear me. I'm not saying that's easy. That's hard because we all want it to work out in the natural Nobody wants to lose their job or, or go through a divorce or have a sickness that leads to death or anything like that. We all want to see victory in the natural. But the most important thing, and, I, and I've seen this many times, I've watched people and I've watched myself go through things and I have to make a choice in the middle of those seasons. Am I going to get full of fear, full of discouragement, full of um, tiredness, full of wanting to quit, or am I going to try to stay in faith? And it's a, it's a faith that endures for you. It's a faith that you've got to grab a hold of. It's a faith that you've got to say, I believe God. I trust God. And even times when I've prayed, I've been in the hospitals with people, I believe God 
and maybe somebody has lost their life, they're no longer here. The question that I believe God holds me to is, did I lose faith? Not did the people get up out of the hospital. Not did we, we avoid poverty or bankruptcy, or did I not lose my job? Did I stay in faith? Did I trust God? Did I believe God? Could I see the invisible? Could I see God do the impossible? Did I stand in faith? Understand, faith requires a word from God. Without a word from God, you can't have real faith. Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So when I say to people, so what are you standing on? What scripture are you standing on? Or what word did God give you? Many times people look at me and say, I don't have one. And if you don't have a word from God, you, you don't have that rock underneath you and your faith is shifting all over because you have nothing to rest on. You need a word to rest your faith on. You just can't rest your faith and try to find it based on the emotions of the day. And that word from God, I trust God. I believe God. I know God is my healer. I know God is my deliverer. I know God is my strong tower. I know God is my provider. But notice what he says there. And I want to be careful how I break this down. I always try to be very careful theologically because there's different thoughts and people can go sideways with thoughts. But it says here, all these people, verse 39, earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. I, I want to break this down into two different thoughts for this piece. These, in the Old Testament, there was things promised in the Old Testament that didn't show up to the New Testament. The New Covenant. Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there was parts that they hadn't received. So I can look at that and say some of the promises, absolutely, they didn't receive in the Old Testament until the New Testament. And when we came in the New Testament, and Jesus came in the New Testament, then it was, we all have access now to those promises. So that's one thing. But they did receive the promises of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, things like that. But there's also another layer here that I believe is also important. Because as I look through the, many of these Bible stories, and I look through many of the, the men and women of God who stood in faith, there are things in the natural that didn't come through either for all of them. You know, not everybody was healed. Not everybody was delivered. Not everybody was set free. If you look at that list, some were killed for their faith. Some were martyred. Some uh, died in faith. They saw it, it says there, from afar off, but they never received it. And so you can be in faith, you can stand in faith, and not receive the fullness of the promises that you believe are supposed to be yours. And that's okay, as long as you stay in faith. This is where some people get confused. They get upset at God. They get mad at God. Well, God didn't heal. God didn't deliver. God didn't provide this or provide that. And so I'm going to walk away from God. And this is where it gets dangerous, because we don't, we don't understand. God's just looking, regardless of the circumstance around you, are you going to stay in faith? Regardless if gas goes up to $6 an hour, $7 an hour, $8 an hour, $12 a gallon. Did I say an hour? <laughs> a gallon. 
It's really slow gas. $12 a gallon. $15 a gallon. Is that going to mess with your faith? You know, what some people start doing, I'd rather believe God for gas for $15 a gallon than complain about who's in office. Well, if they were in an office, you don't know that. Well, if they did this, you don't know that. And we like to believe it's people. When you go around the world, I've known around the world gas prices have been high all around the world. We just happen to have low ends for so long, we don't even realize what the rest of the world pays. Well, I'm going to blame the people in the Middle East. No, I'm going to blame Putin. No, I'm going to blame the Democrats. No, I'm going to blame the Republicans. No, I'm going to blame... Do you have faith for gas to be put in your car? Do you believe when you go to that pump, whether it costs $40, whether it costs $80, or whether it costs $120, you're going to have the money to pay for it? If God can't provide gas for your car, who, what kind of God do you serve? And sometimes we get all caught up with complaining, blaming, all the problems, and there's no faith. And if I have no faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible. I don't trust God. I don't believe God can help me. But I want to push this a little further in understanding what he was talking about with faith in this passage. Because as he talks about it going into the next chapter, chapter 12, he talks about it being a race of faith. That's a little different context. And being in a race of faith, when you became a believer, when you became a follower of Christ, you are automatically entered into the race of faith. Let me explain what I mean. When you are, think of yourself as a world-class athlete. And when you accepted Christ, you are already, you were dropped into the Olympic stadium for the race. Here you are in this race you've maybe never been in before. It's called the race of faith. And you're now an Olympic athlete. You are now running this race called faith. It's a little different when you think of it in that term. It's not merely do I have faith, don't I have faith. It's a race of faith. Whether you like it or whether you don't, you have been entered in this race of faith. You are now a runner in this race of faith. You may hate running. You are a runner in this race of faith. You may run full speed. You may jog. You may walk. You may sit. You may lay on the ground from exhaustion. You are in this race of faith. It doesn't matter. And God is the judge and God is also the coach. So you are in this race till the end. And the question is, what are you going to do in this race? Are you going to let the things of this world, the cares of this world, the problems of this world weigh you down? Or are you going to stand up and declare, I am running this race to the best of my ability? Go to verse 1 of chapter 12. Just go over a couple of verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I want to give you six thoughts, six points of encouragement that I believe will help you and help me this morning. I love verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great 
cloud of witnesses, to the life of faith. Point one is this. Many others have made it, and so can you. The great cloud of witnesses, I don't really believe they're looking over heaven, staring at us. I really believe they're a witness, like on a stand, witnessing of the goodness of God. I believe they're a witness of saying, God did it through me, he can do it through you. God made it happen for me. And they're witnesses, they're examples, they're role models of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. He's given us examples in the Bible, and he just went through Hebrews 11. He just listed out all these witnesses that witness of the goodness of God, that witness of the faithfulness of God, and witness how they kept faith Alive, how they stayed strong in faith, how they kept believing God. And if they can make it, so can you. If they can do it, so can I. If they could go through, if Noah could go through, every pe- people mocking him for a hundred years while he's building a boat. What's a boat, Noah? What are you doing? We don't have rain. What's rain, Noah? What are you building, Noah? They can endure mocking and shame and criticism for years and years and decades and centuries. We can as well. They endured much attacks. They saw the race. They won the race. They never gave up. They continued to fight. And the Bible, the great thing I love about the Word of God, it's loaded with so many great, great historical figures that won in the race of faith. They believed God. They saw God do it. And it happened. The second point is this. You can't win with weights. He said, let us lay aside the weights and the sin. The worst thing that we do is we take on weights we're not supposed to carry. Personal torment. Our mind is harassed. Weights of the past. Weights of the present. Weights of the future, weights of what's going to happen to my life, weights of worry, weights of fear, weights of disappointment, weights of sin, weights of addiction, weights of, of struggle with having my mind do the right thing, the right thoughts, my mouth speak the right words, my body do the right things, weights that so easily take us out. And he says, you can't win the weights. You can't win the race of faith with weights. If you keep those weights and you keep complaining about yesterday and you keep talking about all the problems in your life and all the problems in your family and all the problems with your job and all the problems in America and all the problems that and you keep those weights coming and keep those. There's no faith. Well, you know, if I hadn't been born this way, well, you know, if this had happened, you know, well, if this was that, and if these people were in office, and if this was my family, and if I lived on this, if I had that job, and I married that person, those are weights. And weights keep you from staying in faith. He says, you got to lay aside the weights. Well, what if I had been treated different? Well, what if I hadn't gone through that problem? What if God knew you were going to go through that? God knew the enemy was going to try to take you out in 2010. God knew the enemy was going to try to destroy your life in 2015. God knew that the enemy was going to try to discourage you and defeat you and cause your children to die or cause your marriage to die, cause your finances, your job. God knew that was, but did you stay in faith? 
Because the weights will kill you. You can't keep thinking about yesterday and succeed tomorrow. You can't keep thinking about, oh, woe is me, all the things I've gone through. Pastor, you don't understand. I don't understand, and I don't have to understand. I have to stay in faith. I'm not accusing anybody. I'm just trying to say we were never meant to carry the weights we carry. And Jesus wasn't speaking, and God wasn't speaking to just one group of people. He was speaking to the body of Christ. Lay aside the weights. Lay aside the sin. Lay aside those thoughts. You are not meant to live in torment. You are not meant to live in unbelief. You are not meant to live in fear. So many people are living in fear even today. What's going to happen? What's going to come next? What's going to go on here? I don't know. But if I keep thinking that way, I'll have no faith. I'll have no faith. And one of the biggest words that we have to understand in the body of Christ is faith. If we don't have faith, then we're not going to have the relationship with God he wants us to have. God's not worried about the gas price. God's not worried about your job. God can handle your spouse. God can even handle that child. God can handle anything you're dealing with. God can handle your neighbors. God can handle your enemies. God can handle anything. But do you believe he can? And I know some people have said to me, well, pastor, I prayed that way. And I prayed and I fasted and I believed and I prayed for a week and nothing happened. All right. I commend you. I'm praying for a week. But for those of us who've lived a little longer, sometimes it's years, decades. Sometimes you have to stand and keep standing and keep standing and keep believing and keep declaring and keep believing. That wayward child might not get saved until they're 40. You may have been praying since they were 14. But I'm declaring they're coming back to Christ. I'm declaring they're going to serve Christ. I'm not quitting. You have to believe God. You have to believe God when your financial situation turns around. You can't get all upset. Well, how come they gave them the promotion? I don't know. But can't God give you one too? You mean there's only one? Well, they only said there's one. You mean God can't make a job out of no job? He can't make a way out of no way? He can't cause something to turn around for you? God, I thank you. My promotion's next. God, I thank you. My promotion's next. God, I thank you. My promotion's next. I don't care who thinks, who says I'm crazy. I am crazy. I'm crazy in love with God. I'm crazy to believe God can do anything. But they're weights. We start complaining. We start getting upset. How come they get this? How come they get... Stop looking around at everybody else that has something and want what they want. Just want what God wants you to have. Because it's a weight. Well, if I just was married to that person. No, you'd still be you. You'd still be you. I'm not saying you wouldn't have more peace, but you'd still be you. Because sometimes we can put ourselves in situations that aren't good either. But that's the truth of all of us. None of us are perfect. None of us have made all the right decisions. None of us have got, but God can make a way out of no way. 
He can make rivers in the desert. He can cause things to turn around on my behalf. Even decisions I made, I shouldn't have made that decision. I should have gone. God can make it. He can heal. Maybe there's something you did you wish you could have, you regretted. God can heal that. He can heal that emotionally. He can heal that physically. He can turn some things around. God is, God is the only one who can do that. And if God can't turn it around, then you have no faith. If you don't believe, and I mean believe. Uh, Pastor, I was reading Google, and Google said, you know, I told you about Google before, and I've told you about social media before. You got to stop watching that stuff, because it'll strip you of faith. Satan knows what to put in front of your eyes. He knows you were just thinking about that. You were just talking about that. You were just talking about that to somebody. And all of a sudden, there you are looking at it on your phone. Because the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy. I say it all the time because people need to understand we're dealing with the real attacks. Point three. It says in verse one, it says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. God is asking you to endure your race, not somebody else's. God is asking you to endure. So run with endurance means this race is going to be hard. This race is going to be, but your race. Stop looking at other people in their race. Well, I, mean, I wish I could have their race. No, you don't. Stay in your lane. Stay in your course. Stay in your place. What? You don't have time to be looking at everybody else's lanes anyways. You've got so much going on, but the enemy will distract you. Make, Man, if I had their life. You don't want their life. You don't want my life. And I don't want your life. I don't want anybody else's life. I don't want Jesus' life. I don't want Paul's life. I don't want Peter's life. I don't want James' life. I don't want any of their lives. I couldn't have done what Jesus did. I couldn't have done what Peter did. I couldn't have done what Paul did. Thank God he made me Steve, and I'm okay with Steve. God gives grace for you to run your race. The race he's got for you. Stop comparing yourself. And Americans, we've, we've, we've become professional comparers. We compare and complain. Compare and complain. Well, you know, my race is harder than your race. No, your race is just different. Stop being so proud and puffed up that you, well, my race is harder. It's not harder. It's just different. And God knew to make you the way he made you because he knew you could handle that race. He didn't make somebody else to do it because he knew they couldn't handle it. He gave you you to be able to run that race and gave you endurance. But we keep looking around and when we look around, we pick up the weight, we start to stumble, we start to fall. I want to give you encouragement today. Begin to rejoice for your race. Begin to rejoice for your race. Begin to rejoice for the faith, race of faith that God has put you in. Begin to rejoice for what you are in. You may not even think about that, but begin to be thankful. Lord, I thank you for the race you've given me. Lord, I thank you for the, your goodness. I thank you, Father. I'm grateful. Yes, this race is hard. Yes, this race is, is, is difficult in the natural. But in the spiritual, you said your yoke is easy and your burden's light. So I thank you. I've got grace today. Lord, I've got joy today. I've got joy. I have to choose joy. I have to choose thankfulness because if I keep looking around at everybody else, I'm not going to want to keep running the race. I can't keep looking at everybody because it is an endurance. It is an endurance. You have to keep going. You have to keep enduring. You ever watch world-class athletes 
whether they're on the track or I love watching sports. I'll watch basketball or football. Or, and you see these world-class athletes. And then compare them to a group of four-year-olds playing soccer. <laughs> and, and I love four-year-olds playing soccer. But after five seconds, they're falling on the ground. They're tripping over the ball. They're pushing each other. They're crying. They're in tears. They don't, they, that's not fair. How come he gets to kick the ball? How come I don't get to kick the ball? How come it's over there? That's not fair. You cheated. You tackled. They tackle each other. They all, nobody stays in their lane. Everybody migrates to the ball. I love watching four-year-olds play soccer because nobody knows how to play soccer. And so they just kick stuff. And sometimes it's another kid. Sometimes it's the, the referee. They just kick and they just throw themselves. They have a fit. They lay on the ground. They cry. They pound the ground. That's four-year-olds. Well, okay, that's four-year-olds. But you're 40. And you shouldn't be playing soccer at 40 like a four-year-old. But some people play this race of faith like a four-year-old. You've been saved 20 years. But you act like you're two. Like God has never done anything for you. God's the meanest God ever. He's never provided for you. He's never done anything favorable for you. He's never given you anything. You, you sound like a spoiled two-year-old that deserves everything to be placed in front of you rather than being in a race that you're going to just have to endure. Because when you look at world-class athletes, the way they train and the way they work and the way they, they, they have to get up in the morning, I, I, listen, I get it. In my mind, I can do what LeBron James does. But in my body, there ain't a chance ever to be able to do what he does. But in my mind, I believe it. But here's the problem. I'm not willing to sacrifice the way he sacrificed to get to where he got. He, he spends a million dollars a year just training his body. And he's got coaches that come in and help him train muscle groups in his body to be able to run the race and be the best he can be. Russell Wilson. When Russell Wilson, he's a football player. When he got injured last year, he injured his finger. Even while he was injured and had to rehab his finger, he was working out 17 hours a day. Working out 17 hours a day. I work out for 17 minutes. <laughs> I got to tell you, by the 12th minute, I'm pretty much done. That's if I even decide to get up and do something. But understand the race he's running. They want to win the race in the natural. Yet in the spiritual, we want to have great faith. Oh, if I had great faith like this preacher. I had great faith like this pastor. If I had great faith like this intercessor. If I had great faith like this person. They're up at 4 a.m. praying. They're up at 5 a.m. praying. They're believing God. They spend three hours a day praying. Four hours a day reading the word. When you read of some of the great men of God, John Knox was a great, he prayed eight hours a day. Yeah, you pray eight hours a day, you're going to have faith. But you pray on your way to work, God, give me a good day at work and help me not to get in, have any problems and help me not to get injured and bless my family. Amen. There's no faith. There's a wish, but there's no faith. And we don't invest in faith, and that way we don't develop faith. When you invest in faith, you'll receive faith. But if you don't invest, and faith will always challenge you. God will challenge you. Faith always requires a test. 
You will be tested whether you have faith. You will go through something physically, something maritally, something financially, something with your career, something with your children. You, there will be a test. And everybody goes through different tests. No two tests are alike. They are difficult. They're hard. And even sometimes we go, well, let me buy the book so-and-so wrote on how they got through it. You read the book. You don't have their faith. You don't have the ability to do what they do. You need your faith. You need your word. You need to know what God's telling you to do because we can try to stand on somebody else's faith, but until we're willing to dig it out for ourselves, until we're willing to lay ourselves down and say, God, I need you to speak. God, I need you to tell me what to do. Show me how to stand. Show me how to believe. God, I'm believing that you're going to make a miracle out of nothing here. I believe you're going to turn something around. And I'm not saying it's easy. It's not. There are seasons that seem more difficult for some than others. I don't know why, but I know God can give you the strength and the ability to win that race, to be able to overcome that situation. But you have to lay aside the weights and take on the endurance. Endurance is a hard word. I don't like the word endurance because it's work. And I have to work at, that means I'm going to have to spend the time. I'm going to have to hear from God. I'm going to have to strengthen myself. I'm going to have to get up early. I'm going to have to pour in everything I can get to build my faith. He will attack you all different types of ways. Satan will try to destroy your life. And sometimes you just need to stand and know that God is with you. Know that God's given you a word. Know that God is going to show you a way out of this. And you stand in faith. And you keep standing. I've said this to so many people because somebody said it to me one day. And they looked at me and they said, you know what? When the dust settles, I'm going to be standing. And when the dust settles, I'm going to be standing. It is not taking me out. I'm going to have faith. I don't know what's going to go on with this situation. I don't know what's going to happen with my children. I don't know what's going to happen with my finances. I don't know what's going to happen with my marriage. I don't know what's going to happen with this relationship or this job or this career or this call of God or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, I know when the dust settles, I'm going to be right here standing with my Lord. I can't promise you what other people will do. But I am going to run with endurance the race set before me. And yes, maybe some of that God appointed it. Maybe others of that, maybe I, I made some mistakes and got myself in this. But even so, it's the race I have to win. I can't take on guilt. I can't take on shame. That's a weight. I can't take out fear. I can't take on uh, doubt, I can't take those spirits on. Those are all spirits. And he says, get rid of the weights. Get rid of the spirits. Get rid of the things that are trying to tear you down. Unbelief, fear, torment. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I believe you. And even if it doesn't go the way you want it to go, did I stay in faith? Did I believe in faith? Because God can turn things around. When I look at stories in the Bible like Job, Job is probably one of the most discouraging stories and then one of the most encouraging, all wrapped up in the same book. Because he lost everything. He lost everything. And sometimes it may feel like you've lost everything. But if you have faith, you haven't lost everything. And Job got himself back in the right... All he needed was one encounter with God. 
that one encounter with God, or you look at Joseph, or you look at Daniel, or you look at some of the men of God, the men of faith, and that one encounter with God, you look at, you look at uh, uh, the different men and women of God that just went through it. And you see, they kept standing. Yeah, it didn't go the way they wanted it to go. But they kept saying they endured. And sometimes we struggle because we lose endurance. That's why Jesus would look and say, you have little faith. Little faith means it stops short. You had faith for five minutes, but then after the six minute, you quit. And you have need for endurance. And that's what he's saying here. We have need for endurance. Go into verse two. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now Jesus is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Meaning, you're still here. Jesus, he says, keep your eyes on Jesus. That's point four. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Don't worry about anybody else. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep your focus. He's the champion. Jesus won. Jesus showed us how to endure. He showed us how to be persecuted unjustly. He showed us how to go through things that weren't fair. He showed us how to go through the hostility that says here in verse 3. And all the things that the enemy, he even got tired. He even, the enemy tried to make him weird. The enemy tried to make him give up, but he didn't. And he, and. And God is saying here, turn your eyes on the Lord. And then verse 5 and 6, and I'm going to close with these verses. Verse 5 and 6. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes each one he accepts as his child. Now, we've read these verses in isolation before. We've read him about discipline. God disciplines, he chastens us, he, he's after. And I think sometimes we lose the meaning of what these verse 5 and 6 is supposed to mean. Verse 5 and 6 is in the context of you running a race. So when I look at it in context of me running a race, and God disciplining me, God is like our coach. He gets me up in the morning says, it's time to go run. It's time to go work out. It's time to lift this weight. It's time to take that. When you look at it from the context of an athletic event and you realize he's disciplining, all these athletes I've mentioned work out. They all have coaches. These are top-notch athletes. These are the best athletes in the world. And every single one of them, you'd think there's got to come a point where as a great athlete, you no longer need a coach. Yet the best athletes in the world hire the best coaches. And God is our coach. And God is coaching us, saying, you don't want to do that. You don't want to think that way. You want to go this way. Come on, let's get up a little early. Let's pray a little bit longer. Come on, say these words with your mouth. Come on, declare. Don't declare that. Stop talking negative. Stop doing it. And he disciplines us, not like he's trying to beat us or something, but he's trying to help us win the race. He's trying to help us win the race of faith. So he's our coach. He's saying, come on, Steve, you can do this. You can stay in faith. Don't, don't feel like you have to give up. Don't feel like you have to quit. Keep moving. Keep getting up. Keep declaring. Keep going forward. Because the enemy will wipe you up. The enemy will tell you, listen, you've got no more hope. Listen, you're out of shots. There's nothing more you can do. I, 
He does it to me. And sometimes you just, I just feel like I've got no more shots. I'm out of energy. And then all of a sudden, the Lord will give me that one word, that one answer, that one idea, that all of a sudden, it'll breathe life into my spirit. I'll be like, no, I can do this. We can go forward with this. Because he's the coach. He disciplines us to, in his word, in his presence. That's why God's presence is so important. That's why when we come to church, we wait in his presence. Why do we wait in his presence? So we can hear his word. If I get up and try to preach to you and none of us have spent time worship, every word I speak will just fall to the ground. Because there's got to be an opening of our heart and our spirit, man, to receive what God wants to say. It's not my words. It's his word that goes into your spirit. And that discipline is a good word because he wants you to win. The race of faith. There's a race of faith. It's a hard race. A lot of people quit. A lot of people, they take on the weights. Well, I'm too much of a sinner. Well, I don't even know if I'm saved. Well, I don't even know if God loves me. You know, there's people that have been saved for 20 years who still don't know if God loves them. You, you, you can't keep buying Satan's words and then find freedom in faith. If you keep eating everything he says, you're going to have no faith for anything in your life. Yes, some things are going to go sideways. Yes, some things, but I'm still saved. Yes, I am going to make a mistake. I'm not perfect. I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to get something wrong. I'm going to make a wrong decision, but I can still walk in faith. I can't live in, in beating myself up all the time. I can't live in shame and, and live in a spirit of defeat. Well, I'll never get on top of this. Well, I'll always be this way. And understand, faith works in layers. And so one person's strength in faith might not be yours. Like you may have somebody who's very strong for healings and miracles. I know people that are very strong, have great faith for healings and miracles, but they have no faith for money. I know people who are really strong. They have great faith for money but they have no faith for their marriage. Some that have great faith for their marriage, but they have no faith for their children. And understand, faith works in layers. So when you're tested in one and you see, okay, this is what's the attack here, and I can come through this, that doesn't mean you're done. It's a race of faith. There are laps that you take. You keep taking, okay, this lap was the lap of my family. This lap was the lap of my finances. This lap was the lap of my health. This lap was the lap of my children. This lap was the lap of my marriage. Whatever it is, you take laps of faith. You keep building the muscles of faith. It doesn't stop. It, the Bible doesn't say that these guys ran in faith and then for the last 10 years of life they hung out and did nothing. It doesn't stop. You keep running the race of faith. But if you get off, if you try to get off the track in, in lap one, and you say, Pastor, this is too hard. You know, I, I tried tithing, but I have no faith for tithing. Ask the Lord why. You know, Pastor, I tried for my marriage, and I just have no faith for my marriage. Why? What did the enemy steal from you? I have faith for, for, for healing, uh, but I don't believe my, my husband will be healed or somebody else will be healed. I have faith for my career. I don't have faith. We listen to too many things that disrupt our faith. When you listen to the news all the time, social media all the time, secular media, 
When you listen to secular stuff all the time, you, listen, you watch movies all the time, you, you watch all these shows, you, when you, you have all these negative conversations, you can't sow corruption into your spirit and expect perfection to come out. If you keep sowing corruption and then you expect faith to come out, you keep sowing complaint. You know, some people are just chronic complainers. Every time you see them, they're just going to complain. And complaining is kind of their thing. They kind of embrace it. They kind of love it. They love the spirit of complaining. And it's a spirit. And they just love it because it's death. Complaining is death. Well, you know, Pastor, I think America is in trouble. I don't think America's going to make it. I think, you know, we're, I think, you know, it's not going to be long before America's going to be destroyed and, you know, Russia and uh, the Republicans and the Democrats and, you know, this company, you know, I don't know about Elon Musk and I don't know about Twitter and I don't know. You keep talking that way, it's a weight. There's no faith in it. I don't care about Elon Musk. I don't care about Democrats or Republicans. I could care less because neither one of them are getting to heaven. Christians are getting to heaven. <laughs> People got scared. What? <laughs> Democrats, Republicans? I, I've actually heard people say that one or the other isn't getting to heaven and mean it. I'm just like, people are so shallow. Christians are getting to heaven. Believers are getting to heaven. People who love Jesus are getting to heaven. Stop taking on weights that aren't yours to take on. Well, when are we going to get things right in America? Probably never. Whatever. <laughs> Remember the disciples were really upset at Jesus a few times. And one of the times they were upset at Jesus, they were mad because they wanted Jesus to come back and be the king of Israel. And Jesus is like, I'm not here for that. I'm not here to be the king of... Jesus doesn't come and be the king of America. Jesus doesn't want to be the king of America. Jesus doesn't want to be the king of, 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 of the nation of Israel. He did, that's not what he's trying to be. Jesus came to bring his kingdom. He's not trying to bring... He's not trying to be the king of our kingdoms. He wants to be the king of his kingdom and bring his kingdom. And that's what we're supposed to do. And his kingdom is built on... And if you want to be victorious, you're going to have to be a person of faith. The father wants to be a coach. And the last point is he gave us the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of these guys didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But he gave us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says he's a comforter. He's a strength. He gives us answers to things. He gives us when we pray, he prays through us, for us, to the father. The Holy Spirit is amazing. That's why how people live without the Holy Spirit, I'll never know. Because the Holy Spirit, what, that's a promise. Talk about a promise we got that Noah didn't get and some of these other guys didn't get. Jeremiah didn't. I, would, I wouldn't want to be Jeremiah for nothing. There's nothing in me that want to be Jeremiah. I wouldn't want to be Jonah for nothing. I wouldn't want to be these guys. But we have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. And you can strengthen your walk with Christ. We're talking today about becoming mature in faith. We need those that are getting older in their faith, to start demonstrating that. Walk by faith. You don't need to be saved 20 years and act like a two-year-old. We need to be saved 20 years and act like a 20-year-old. And believe God. 
and trust God and stand by faith. Meaning, I don't walk by sight. I don't walk by faith. And I'm not saying this is easy. I think it's hard. I think faith is a very hard word. I'm not saying it's easy. But you see the invisible. You see that God can do the supernatural. You see that God can move mountains. You see that things can change by the words you speak, by the faith you believe. But you're going to have to endure. You're going to have to stand and keep standing and keep asking, God, I need another word. God, I need the next word. God, I need... And some of us this morning, God has come to give you another word. God has come to encourage you. There's another word. You just need the word for tomorrow. If you can get the word for tomorrow, it'll give you strength for tomorrow. And for some of us, the last word you heard, it was too long ago. You need a new word to build your faith. And I believe this morning, as we begin to pray, as we begin to lift our voice, God's going to give you that next word. And he's going to give you that shot of faith to help you to believe him for the supernatural. We are seeing miracles. We are seeing healings. We are seeing salvation. And why not you? Why can't God do it through you? Why can't God do it through your situation? Why can't God do it through your finances? Don't get consumed with this world. Don't get consumed with all the garbage out there. I could care less. I care about the kingdom of God. I care about walking by faith, not by sight. I'm not looking at all the stuff the world's doing. I'm looking at what God's doing. His kingdom is alive and well. Let's stand this morning. Just bow your heads with me if you would. I know everybody's standing and just, I want to pray a couple things this morning. First prayer is this. If you don't know Jesus Christ, we need to get that settled first. If Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, if you don't serve Christ, Jesus loves you. But in order to serve Christ, you have to give your life to Christ. You have to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And you have to ask him to come and be the Lord of your life. And when you do, the Bible says that he comes in, he dwells, and he brings his love, his peace, his joy, his presence, his healing. And if you don't know Jesus, but you say, Pastor, today I want to give my life to Christ. Or maybe you once served Christ, but you haven't really been serving him the way you should. And you want to rededicate your life to Christ this morning. Will you just slip up your hand all over this place? If that's you, just slip up your hand real high so I can see it. I see your hands. I see your hands. Who else? Up on the balcony. You need to serve Jesus Christ this morning. I see your hand over here. You say, I need to give my life to Christ. Just while you're just lifting your hand or just come on up forward. You can put your hands down, but I want you to come forward. If, that, if you lifted your hand and you said, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. If you meant it. You said, I mean it. I want to give my life to Christ. I, want you, I saw your hand here. I saw your hand here. I saw one over here. Just come forward real quick. Somebody in the balcony, if that's you, come on. We'll wait for you. You say, I know I want to give my life to Christ. Just come and face me. Come on. Let's give him a hand this morning. You want to give your life to Christ? Just stand right here in front of me. Who else? You want to give your life to Christ? Anybody else? You know you need to serve Christ. We've got some of our team just coming in behind you. So if you want to give your life to Christ, you want to serve Christ, i give you a few more seconds. This is the best decision of your life. It's the greatest decision. And uh, as you're doing this, this is our first step of faith. Because how could a God who I don't know love me that much? He just does. Jesus loves you that much. 
And whatever your sin is, he forgives it. Well, Pastor, you don't know my sin. I don't, but he does. And the Bible says he'll forgive us of every sin. Every sin. And then that makes a way for me to have eternal life with him. You can live in peace. You can live in joy. You can live with God's love. That's what he wants to give you. So let's pray. I want you to repeat after me. Congregation, join with us. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I choose you. I choose to serve you. Change my life. Show me how to live for you. Take away relationships that aren't good for me. And give me a new start, a new beginning, and a new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. Stay right here. Just stretch your hands towards him if you would. I just want to pray over you both. Father, I just ask that you would touch each one that's here today. I ask, Father, that you would fill them with your peace, fill them with your joy, fill them with your presence. Lord, I ask that you would give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. I ask that they'd be filled with your spirit, that you would give them a new confidence. Lord, I thank you that you are here. And Lord, as they go home, wherever they go this week, that they will feel your presence. They'll know that their life is different from this day forward. I speak a blessing over them now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.